The OMTG Taps is brought to you by StarCityGames.com. New Phyrexia is coming soon, and StarCityGames.com is your source for boxes, cases, fat packs, intro packs, complete sets, and singles. Head on over to StarCityGames.com and pre-order New Phyrexia today. Everybody, welcome to episode 65 of Yo MTG Taps. This is Big Head Joe, and I'm here with not Joey Pasco, but the man himself, Adam the Stibbs Stavorsky. I'm like three Joeys put together, and then probably a couple burgers on top, just just for good measure. Definitely had some burgers yesterday, which were pretty awesome. Uh, there was a little event this weekend, the final regional pre-release. Uh, sad to see them go. There was a tradition for us for you know for many years. I always run my tournaments on Sundays because mm-hmm. the regional pre-releases are just you know they're just where it's at. Like it's a great time to go into a big group, and who knows what the heck you're going to come out of it with. You know, I definitely got a lot of good trading done this weekend, so quite happy. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, I know from from working with uh, with Laurel and her uh, her regional pre-release there's there's always a dozen or so dci signups um you know it's you know it's just a little different like it's a different atmosphere it's not it's not as big as you know like star city star city games opens or um you know grand prix or anything like that but just just the fact that it's you know local regional genuinely really happy people uh you know when they're opening the cards and they're seeing all the new stuff um there's because there's a lot of people that'll get the memo that there's a set coming out but they're not up 100% on everything, you know, all the spoilers and all the previews and everything that's going on with um, the set. And they get uh, they get really excited when they see some of the things happening. Not as excited as Pokemon players, apparently, though, according to Laurel uh, last night. The story she was telling, that was actually a really cute story. Uh, she was saying that, like, um, at the store, they had, like, three different pre-releases going on. They had a, a Magic one. They had a Yu-Gi-Oh! one, and they had a Pokemon one. And she said that the Magic people came first. They opened their packs. They started getting right down into the, the tournament and doing their thing. Um, then the Yu-Gi-Oh! player showed up. The Yu-Gi-Oh! players got all their cards. They started opening their packs, jumped right into a tournament. And then the Pokemon players came finally and opened their packs, and you just hear squeals of excitement that like kind of made everyone shut up and like look at what was going on, um, which I thought was a really... Uh, I just thought it was an awesome story, like, just because, you know, we kind of lose that, I think, as, you know, at least I do sometimes as a competitive player, although I kind of aggravated my roommate, Travis, earlier, uh, when I went running, screaming to him with a card in my hand, and he was like, oh, what'd you get? I'm like, check out this goblin token! He was like, I really thought you got something cooler than that. Yeah, the, uh, the facepalm, like, slapped off the wall. Like, it echoed. I mean, I... I, I... I think it's universal. I mean, any, anytime you you get a bunch of a bunch of people together that really care, really passionate about what they, you know, the the hobby, the gaming, the entertainment, everything that they're doing, and you give them say, "Hey, look, check this out. Brand new stuff. Nobody has it. Now, you, now you can get it." You know, and I think that the excitement 
you know, I, I think, um, you know, I think we, you know, we kind of grow out of like the jump up and shout, but I think that, you know, the fact that some of us still do that, I think, I think there's more of us that are that excited about it on the inside, you know, and I think that, um, you know, I, I know I still get really excited over, you know, the, the, you know, quote unquote, you know, kind of dumb stuff, but it's amazing. You know, I, I really enjoy the things I enjoy and I'm not afraid to admit that. And I think that, um, I think that, it, you know, there, there are a lot of people out there that really enjoy some of the things, but they're, you know, they're just not speaking up about it anymore. What are you, what are you, a wussy? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> So what I was saying was, you know, the pre-release is really the one day where, you know, even the most competitive players can have that moment of excitement and that moment of joy from opening, you know, packs and seeing new cards, you know, maybe for the first time, unless they're, you know, unless a god book was spoiled, um, and just getting a chance to, um, you know, to play with the cards, get their hands on them for the first time uh, before they buckle down and start making their tier one decks for standard and what have you, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, um, you know, there's definitely, there's definitely a skill, um, you know, the best players have in, in being able to look at a card on paper and understand how it works and feels and evaluate that in, um, kind of a vacuum. But until you actually sit down and start playing with the cards and, um, you start seeing some of the subtle, uh, you know, subtle interactions and some of the synergies that aren't necessarily evident up front, um, or learning how to play around stuff like spell skite and things like that, that, um, you know, are kind of unique and, and don't function similar, you know, as, as similar to something that, that we're already familiar with. You know, I, um, I know that, that, uh, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the more competitive players were, were really impressed with some of the interactions and, and the things that they were taking away from it. It wasn't quite as simple as they, as they may have thought. Right. And, and, you know, like some of the simplest interactions I didn't notice until I was just in game. I was like, Oh my God, you mean I can just bounce my mall splicer and play him again and get two more golems oh my god i'm like i'm putting these two disperses that are inexplicably in my sideboard in my main deck so i mean i had two of the one that because i originally had like creature bounce in there just as a way to get my dudes through and then like realized oh my god i can use this on my on my splicers too and make more golems Oh yeah, so doing that. So, yep. like I had like five total bounce effects in my deck by the end. It might be why I lost in round four, <laughs> uh, because like I started getting too cute. I think with the with the deck, um, the deck turned out a lot better than I thought. So uh, my pre-release, right? Uh, Saturday I played uh, one sealed event on Saturday. And um, I played a blue-green deck that ran two Mall Splicers and a, um, is it Wing Splicer, the flying the one? One that gets Golems flying, yeah. Yeah. Your well, flying. Yeah, exactly. Um, had those, which are really neat. Um, I had a Chancellor of the Tangle, <laughs> which uh, I only managed to reveal in a relevant way. I never revealed it if I couldn't play a turn one, two drop, you know, but, uh, right. Um, I revealed it once and got to play a perilous mirror on turn one, which is pretty <laughs> sweet. Seems all right. And then I got to play him later, which I have to say, uh, chancellor of the tangle, uh, way cooler when you just put him on the battlefield. It was so good. Six, seven reach. Uh, was it vigilance reach? Right. Yeah. Ugh. It's like, it's like, 
some sort of uber spider. <laughs> Nasty. <laughs> um, if Worm Coil Engine didn't have Death Touch, it's all I gotta say. Uh, <laughs> be the ultimate. Um, so I went, I went, did well. I went three one. I went three zero throughout the day, and then lost in round four to uh, Robert Fletcher, who plays at Amazing Spiral, where I work sometimes. He whooped on me real good. Uh, but it was a fun day until then. Trading Hall was pretty good. Um, I mean, like, just got a bunch of stuff. And, like, when I looked at the stuff at the end of the day, I was like, what the hell is all this stuff? <laughs> like, really? This is what I got today? It's so random. All right, so we're back. We just took a little break to... Uh, eat some food, and now we can't remember what the heck we were talking about, so I guess let's move on. Um, Adam uh, was gunslinging uh, Saturday at the regional pre-release, and Sunday today at our pre-release. Um, I know you've got some cool stories. Uh, I guess let's start off with like what you pulled and you know the kind of deck you built. Uh, on Saturday, I had um, kind of a different deck. It was, a, uh, it was kind of like a blue-white aggro kind of deck. Yeah. Um, it curved... Uh, Curved out with like um, thop- uh, spine thopter and porcelain legionnaire and chemist a bunch of you know a bunch of flying creatures, and kind of went up to um, chancellor of the annex. Um, I had a Phyrexian jester, um, a cage of sun, cage sun, and um, a bunch of removal and arrest, two force warships, um, and some other spells. And so basically, I just ran, um, just ran, locking down the ground and just flying for victory. Um, <clears throat> seemed flying was pretty strong um i kind of heard as much from from some of the chatter on twitter and from what other people were saying and it definitely worked out for me yeah i i always felt good when i had a nice flying creature out i was i was trying so hard to uh uh to get the wing splicer down as like a your golems gain flying spell more than like you know what i mean i, I was dying to make that happen at some point like get the mall splicer first and then play the wing splicer, but then I kept getting to a point where I needed to play the wing splicer, you know, to have something to do that turn. Yeah. Rather than sitting there and doing nothing, so like I kept playing it. Um, I was dying just to like get that guy down after two golems were already there, and just be like, oh yeah, they're above you, and you can't do anything, and you lose six of your life. Like, yeah, I um I also opened a precursor golem. Probably should have remembered that up front. Oh, it's a pretty good one. Yeah, I, I hear it's okay. It seemed it seemed all right with golems. Yeah, with uh, with wing splicer, master splicer. So I I never got to live the dream and swing with like five, four four flying golems. <laughs> but um, there there were many times uh, there were many times where I just um, you know just make a bunch of golems and just kind of like overrun, just keep on throwing. <laughs> you just go you just go wing splicer after you have the precursor golem out and then mutagenic growth, <laughs> swing fifteen in the air. <laughs> That'd be so fun. Yeah, the um. <clears throat> The thing that I found, um, I, and I did all day yesterday, and I definitely continue to do today, was um, it seemed like the set was um, a little removal heavy, um, and so the, there seemed to be a lot more of just general answers, kind of kind of available and around. Um, but the decks are all uh, the decks also seem to to reward kind of trading. Um, I definitely I definitely made aggressive trades and, and kind of kept the board as clear as possible and. Um, it seemed to pay off, especially the uh, the, the splicers, because um, if you know, like wing splicer, like yeah, it's it's sweet to have like a three three flying, but if you can trade, like like there were so many times where where I would go ahead and block their X one with my wing splicer, and I don't think they were expecting it. I think they thought you know they could just get through, and um, 
know, kill their creature, and then they'd have to shatter the golem, or, um, I mean, I, I had people, um, turn to slag, and, you know, uh, other spells on the golems, just because they had to, ki- they had to kill it, like, it was just too many creatures, you know, and you do that enough, I mean, it's like Arc Trail, if you do enough of, you've got to use your two cards for my one, you know, like, it seems to, seems to be okay. Yeah. I was about to say, that must have been painful. You see, you saw a bunch of people turn to slag. I was like, oh, ooh, it's painful. Um... We're comatose right now from uh, awesome Chinese food. <laughs> Friend Kitchen represent. There we go. There's a plug for Friend Kitchen. Um, so uh, I, I, this story has to be told because it's my favorite story of the day. Uh, tell your batter skull story. Um, yeah. So the last game on Saturday, I um, I've been playing pretty well. You know, I probably dropped maybe a third of my games. You know, it was okay. You know, I was having fun. Um, but the the guy sits down and. Um, I'm getting, I'm starting to pack up, and, you know, it's getting towards uh, closing time, and um, he's like, let's battle. I'm like, sure, okay, and um, turn five, rolls around, you know, and the game seems pretty normal, nothing seems unusual. Turn five, you know, plays the fifth land, taps out, batter skull. I'm like, oh, alright, so that's how it's going to be. And, um, <laughs> and through a combination of... Um, uh, for accident, I, uh, I I managed to get um, stay alive for like another turn or two, and um, and of course like he eats my dudes and he like gained back all the life that I just beat out of him. So he's like back up to like twenty at this point. He was like like eleven or something, and um, he starts casting other equipment in the meanwhile. So it's just going to get uglier. Well, he has an ogre menial and he moves the batter skull onto that, and that's um, that's really bad news because I can block in. Um, kind of force some awkward blocking and maybe build up, build things into a position where I can begin to race them back. But um, Ogre Menial will really put an end to that with the with the infect, and I'm um, just killing my dudes. I can't bounce off, you know. With, so I so I managed to cast Phyrexian Ingester and I eat his Ogre Menial, and I have Cage Sun out set to blue. So I've got a four eight just wall basically, because I, I can't attack into the batter skull. I don't want to give him even more life. Um, so I just sit there and um, build up a flying force, and I start to crack in the air from where he's cracking. Then he, then he has some flyers, and you know goes back and forth um, for another you know three or four turns, and then um, Nim Deathmantle shows up. Oh God! You know, and Nim Deathmantle, if you're not familiar, it, it has some other abilities, but the most relevant one is that it gives Intimidate, <laughs> uh, which is awkward when he has creatures that aren't your colors. So um, like a champ, I. Dig a little deeper, and I get um, precursor golem. Nice. And I make some golems, and I start um, blocking that way, and and uh, I recycle precursor golem with um, uh, razor hippogriff for the one that, that <laughs> recirculates life. I mean, I'm pulling every trick I can in the book to to minimize the loss. I finally get Argent Sphinx, which sounds great because you could block and then blink him, which stops the da- which 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 stops the damage, but more importantly, stops the life gain. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't do that because of the intimidate. But he, um, thanks to my two forced warships and, a, and an arrest, I can continue to play the forced warship shuffle game, and, and he can only attack with like something on the ground and something that's not worth a lot, and um, it really makes it um, really makes him tie up his mana because he's got to keep moving it around. Because um, with Cage Sun, I just have like I've got like sixteen or seventeen mana. It's like commander mana, like it's absurd. Right. And so finally, I get a flying force in the air big enough where I can crack for like sixteen a turn. And he can only gain up to nine, and um, that's that's how the game 
that's how the game pretty much ended. Like, <laughs> like at no point did I get revoke existence or anything. You know, the like, like that was in my deck, and it was buried way down, like three cards up from the bottom. Of course, uh, right where right where I knew it would have to be. Um, but I I fought long and hard, and I beat both, and it was Jesus. unreal. Like I. I was just so I was so shocked that I had I actually played like you know because when when it comes down and after like two turns of blocking and like things are looking pretty grim and, you know it's like oh it's just a fun game you know okay scoop you know I'll just pack up and leave but you know, I just you know something made me made me think you know what let me let me fight the fight and I think I can do this and forty minutes later I did it <laughs> stubbornness I guess I don't know like you know I felt bad because I felt really good about like winning like wow I just beat Nim Deathmantle and Batterskull yeah. That shouldn't be possible. <laughs> there it was. You were pretty pumped. You, were, I may have had a high five. I don't remember. I think there may have been a high five involved. Well, you checked like three times, and it was like, you know, it was, um, you know, I tweeted, on, I tweeted on Twitter, you know, boss, boss mode engaged, Mm-mm-mm. you know, batter, batter, you know, batter skull. <laughs> so funny. And you know, it just uh, it took a long time, but you kept checking back in. It's like no, I'm still alive. You know. I, you know, the longer the game went, the more I, the more um, I really felt that, you know, I could visualize what I wanted to what I wanted to do, and that was just to keep it keep the ground locked up and then build the air force, and it came together. It's awesome. You had your John Nash moment. Yeah. And beautiful mind, and all the like numbers start making sense. Oh yeah, totally. Like like formulas, and everything just started spinning around my head. And meanwhile, the opponent across from me looks, you know, must think I'm stoned out of my mind or something, you know, <laughs> staring off into space, smiling. <laughs> I, I guess also kind of like John Nash. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, at least you didn't uh, start talking to like an imaginary little girl, which uh, you know would be kind of strange. Very uh, on many levels. Uh, so uh, moving on. Uh, last night um, after the event, uh, we hung out with uh, Tim and Lloyd and Mark and uh, oh, what's Lloyd's friend's name? What was that guy's name that was there with us? Mike. I'm terrible with names. I'm, I do not. Uh, well, Mike, if you're listening, and that's not your name. I apologize, but you're welcome over our house anytime. Uh, Tim and and, uh, and and Travis was there, and we watched the uh, Manny Pacquiao fight. Yeah, so that, I mean, so that was fun. And then uh, this morning we uh, got down here and uh, and did some stuff uh, here. Um, the uh, the, the draft's still going on, actually. Uh, there's a there's a side draft going on right now. Um, and uh, it's uh, Phyrexia Besieged Scars, not Phyrexia, 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 like people were doing uh, yesterday. Well, there are also, um, also group game drafts at the pre-release. Oh, so yeah, I saw that. Quadruple Phyrexia. New Phyrexia. Now, how does that drafted. work exactly, a group game draft? I've never actually done that before. I, it works like this. Um, as far as I'm aware, it nets out even with the store. Um, you get... Four or six guys, and they pay for a draft like they normally would. Um, but instead of having um, additional, as many additional packs as prizes at the end, um, each player drafts a, a fourth pack, and you draft for a um, free, free-for-all multiplayer game. So whether it's four four players or six players, you know everybody drafts their four packs. If it's four players, there's one bonus pack for the last man standing. Six players, there's three packs. You know it's definitely not, you know it's definitely not something you you grind for value. But um, it's a really good way of mixing, you know, like 
play with the new set, you know, get all get a bunch of new cards, you know, you pay for one draft, but you get to see four packs worth of stuff and get to pick up things and by the time you're into like halfway through the third and fourth pack, like you probably have plenty you know, plenty of playables. So you can try and just like pick up extra cards that you like. You know, it's it's great. It's like, well, I really want this splicer, you know, I want to start making the golem deck. Well, just pick up a couple. You know, I mean like it's alright. Yeah, you can go ahead and, you know, waste picks. You know, it's not a you know, it's not an optimization kind of thing. It's more like a you know this is a, you know, it's a, it's a way to have some some good multiplayer fun without um, everybody having to build decks, uh, build their own decks ahead of time or anything, and everybody gets part of the new cards, the new set. It's um, you know, something Laurel lets um, lets us do. It's you know the homebrew format, and a lot of us really like it. It's really cool. I never really uh, seen that before. So, is it just one game that you play, like one multiplayer game? Do mm-hmm. two out of three, or? You, know, you can't really do two out of three when there's four players. But uh, sometimes the games take a long time, I and mean, it's definitely a casual format. It's like a you know draft, build your decks, play a long multiplayer game. Yeah. Um, I mean, the biggest difference is um, what's called the rumble rule is that for each point of life loss or damage you deal to opponents um, directly, you gain that many rumble points, and for every twenty rumble points, you can choose a card. Um, from your sideboard that is anything that's not in your main deck and set it aside. You have to choose it when you get to the 20 and you set it aside and then you can cast that card without paying its mana cost whenever you could normally cast that card. You can even get a basic land if you need it, you know, but whenever you can normally could. X spells and, ad- and additional costs you have to pay. But um, otherwise, like, you know, like, like you can be playing like just a really aggressive deck and you can go get a, a counter, you know, a counter spell or this big, huge off color monster that you picked early, but you didn't end up getting the deck for and you can just plop it into play or get it. It's to um, it, it's to stop the turtling and reward it. You know, it's to not reward the hyper defensive tactics. Like if you're not actively dealing damage to opponents, the game's going to take a really long time. And this rewards that that idea that, you know, you should be playing games to, you know, to beat your friends down and, and kill their creatures and swing and attack and go ahead and take a couple risks, you know, because the payoff can be I- amazing. I mean, you just get a free card. You know, back in Conflicts, free Progenitus. It happened. Um, <laughs> you know, when Alara Reborn was out, free Breath of Malfagor, which, by the way, in a six-player game, auto-queued you for the next Rumble card. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so like, if you wanted to do, if you wanted to make that happen, you had to fight for it. That but then so the wicked. reward is, you know, it's great. You know, And then the thing is, is it really makes those, it makes the games go a little faster. You know, it, you know, people will still turtle and, and get defensive, especially as things get really cluttered, but if somebody can punch through, knock a player out, get a bunch of Rumble, and put themselves in a position where they're not going to get killed themselves... They'll do it. Like, why wouldn't you? You know, why wouldn't you do that if you had that option? Oh yeah, if so, I could do that in standard, yeah. deal twenty damage to my opponent, and then I get a free card. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Isn't that just like Jace's second ability or something like that? Like, get free cards. The first ones undo a card, whatever. And the third ones deal twenty. Yeah, something like that. Might as well be. <laughs> um, yeah. So. Um, <laughs> It's so funny. That sounds like that sounds like a really fun format. Next time I, I was about to say next time I go to a regional pre-release, I wanted to do that. But there are not going to be any more regional pre-releases. I want to know how you feel about that because it's really obviously stressing me out. So, <laughs> like, how do you feel about the loss of the regional pre-releases, and like, how do you feel about those in general? I mean, I. I always like the, the the larger pre-releases just because it's um, you know I, I enjoy do, I enjoy doing trading and trying to track down cards for Commander. Um, by the way, cards are legal for Commander as of their pre-release. That's right. So um, 
so I, you know, I, I would spend time just trying to find the cards I want, you know, and, um, you know, like yesterday, you know, like I, you know, I always bring a little sign to put out and I'm like, you know, Hey, these are the ones I'm looking for. Cause I can't troll the, the floors. You know, I, I basically sit still and play magic against people for about 12 hours. So, um, some two very nice guys, you know, took note of that or um, somebody told them and one guy came over and had a foil gin cataxius. And the other guy had a foil of Warren Collects, and it was oh, like so awesome, sweet. It's just you know, like I mean, they're really nice guys. Like I had, like, like you know, like I had to make them take more stuff because they just, you know, they they're just like, well, I'm not interested in this stuff, but I do, I do like these, you know. It's like I don't think Mer Reservoir is exactly equal to to that, you know. Go ahead and go ahead and look for some more, please, you know. So <laughs> yeah, it, you know, um, it's you you get that, um, yeah. You know, I, I think that's that sometimes there's. You know, there's there's the draw of of going to a big event. I mean, I think that's why Grand Prix and Star City opens are, are so exciting, is because it's like all, all these people together. And so regional pre-releases are a really odd mix, um, or or at least the ones that I've been to, I should say, have been a really odd mix of yes, there's the the you know the on top of everything and on top of their game competitive players. You know, I saw Jarvis U and a bunch of the you know a bunch of really really sharp players come in and spend time beating me down um, mm-hmm. and telling and, and making a couple pointers about my deck um, before I started playing everybody else. So, thanks. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know that that there are just so many people who are just like you know I come to this you know and like that's what they came to is they go to a pre-release. You know they don't have all the time to go to the card shops. You know they don't have Friday night. You know they work or they you know they're like married and have kids and stuff but being able to take a saturday morning and go play in a sealed flight and and see a couple friends and play some magic i mean i i've lost count way long ago of the number of people like oh you know what did you come here oh i just you know i I played since whenever you know i've always gone to pre-releases they're great you know um yeah that's not everybody i just i I just i've just taken note of this of this small portion and um you know i really empathize with you know with with what's going to happen you know that it's not that they're going, you know, pre-releases aren't going away, but, you know, it's it's definitely going to be a little different when you go to a store and there's not, you know, 200 people, but there's 20, you know, or there's 40. You know, it just it has a different type of feel. Um, yeah, I mean, I literally, yeah, I think I can safely say that until I started running pre-releases, I had never been to a store pre-release. Like, I never cared to. I was always like, well, I go to the regional pre-release. Why do I need to go to a store? Like, Like, it was only because I had to start running them. I didn't have much use for the smaller pre-releases because I had the big one, you know? Um, now, obviously, now, like, I try to go to as many events as I can, you know, because I just want to get as many opportunities to trade as I possibly can and right. get the cards that I need. You know what's kind of awesome? I'm having a lot of trouble finding things I need for Legacy right now. <laughs> like, I know there are things uh, I tough, need. Tough life. I know yeah. there are things I need. You know what I mean? I know there are, like... Like cards and stuff that I need uh, down the road, but like my two decks are built. Like, like I've been saying, like I got my two polluted deltas from you. Yep. Um, I have a Bayou waiting for me in Orlando, and I'll be getting a Underground Sea sometime this month. Yeah. And I'm done with Team America. I'm done with Merfolk, and like now I'm just chilling. Like I've got two Legacy decks that I love, you know, and I'm ready to play with them. I want to ch- make some changes to them. Those things are tiny little tweaks, you know. They're not things that like need, like, a severe overhaul of, like, your entire collection or, like, standard, um, like, every three months, uh, break the cycle, play Legacy. It's cool because I picked up six Hunted Horrors this weekend for a buck each, um, and Hunted Horror is such an awesome card, uh, it's a 7-7 Trample 
for two black. When it enters the battlefield, you get two. Your opponent gets two, three, three green centaurs. I'm pretty sure they're centaurs that have protection from black. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's a terrible, terrible card. Uh, but you know, certain lovely cards like Torpor Orb um, shut that off, which is pretty awesome. Uh, so. Um, definitely considering that, like alongside like the dreadnoughts, you have a really funny smile on your face. Why? Yeah, no, no. no oh, okay. I thought you were about. I remember to, you talking about it? Yeah, yeah, I thought you were about to like start ragging on me about something. I was like, oh, what's he got? What's he got cooking up in his head? There. I mean, it's just. I mean, it's just like, oh, look, I've got this one card, and look, dreadnoughts and and horrors, and just like I've got all these awesome creatures. Just dump everything in play. Sure. <laughs> okay. Seems fun. <laughs> Seems pretty good. So, I'd do it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, you got Stifle and then you got Torpor... Because I was trying to play Dreadnought for a while and with Stifle and with Trickbind. Because yeah. I saw a build of Team America and I was like, well, I want something else, like a kind of aggressive creature. And there aren't many more aggressive creatures than a Phyrexian Dreadnought. Um, well, power one mana seems fine. Pretty, it's fairly yeah, aggressive. I, I hear it hits pretty hard, yeah. <coughs> yeah, so... Um, <laughs> uh, but I just, like, every time I tried to play the deck... I literally had one or the other in my hand, and never both. So I, the, the idea lasted like half a night of playtesting, and then I moved on from it. But like something like where you're already running the stifles, you know, in your deck, adding something like Torpor Orb, and then running like the Hunted Horror Dreadnought package with like a tar- with like Tarmogoyf still in there too, mm-hmm. just seems like a, just seems awesome. Seems worth trying. That's for sure. So. That's like kind of something I'm really looking forward to messing with. Uh, just got to get more Torpor Orbs, I guess. Any cool stories from today? I know, uh, I mean, I guess the one cool story that I can tell of Adam's day is that he dropped one match all day uh, gunslinging. Uh, so good for him. <laughs> I guess, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty rocking. Uh, it clearly had to be Legacy because, you know, um, I lost to a mono black um, Dark Depths deck. Oh, neat! Yeah, it was just like, yeah, you know, I um, had a little trouble. Had a little trouble with my mana, and of course, triple wasteland helps that helps that trouble out quite a bit. Um, yeah. As I, you know, as I'm backpedaling and trying to recover, I just couldn't get back up to three mana. You know, I mean, I and you're playing junk, right? Yeah, yeah, I play junk, and um, you know, I just got beaten down by um, by first striking <laughs> hex, you know, um, hex mages and and uh, and uh, nut- the um, Gatekeeper of Malak here. Like, when I saw that cast, I was like, oh, wow, I've got one dude to, to block this first striker. Great! Uh, oh. Alright. Gatekeeper Malak here, huh? Yep. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it was mono black, and, um, you know, I should have I should have figured, uh, I, I didn't, um, I didn't quite see all of it coming, but I I probably should have realized that when it was, uh, you know, first turn, um, Urborg, Tomb of Yawgmoth. Uh-oh. For, uh, for a top. Uh-oh. <laughs> and it was just like, yeah, just uh, just you know, hand sculpting there on out. He always had uh, he always had what he needed. That's great. <laughs> That's really cool. I've actually been, I've been talking to Joey about uh, like just smashing a whole bunch of different good decks together. Like you got countertop, right? Um, and you've got the um, the Thopter Sword combo. Mm-hmm. And I was like talking to Joey. I'm like, yeah, I know you've got those two together now in in countertop. Why don't they just throw the Dark Depths Hex Mage combo in there too? You know, like go for it, just go all out. You know, like why not? 
go thop their depths countertop. Well, I mean, how many more decks do you have to add, and then you can just play, a, you know, a Battle of Wits deck? Yeah. <laughs> yes, you can. Um, we already talked about that on the podcast uh, last week, but again, big shout out to Kenny Mayer for top 32-ing with his Battle of Wits uh, deck. It's pretty impressive. Uh, the story of the story of the year, I think. Uh, if more people didn't chicken out, it would have easily been the story of the year. But some of you are cowards, and some of you decided to not play Dark Depths, Dark Depths, Battle of Wits, whatever, and instead played whatever decks you didn't top thirty-two with. Apparently, ooh. So, uh, too bad. Oh well. Maybe I'll play Battle of Wits. No, actually, if I play in Baltimore at the Star City Open. I have to play Merfolk, and I have to get on a feature match round one. And the reason why is because I've got Tim's uh, Happy Birthday Lord of Atlantis in there. Have you seen that? No. It's, it's a Lord of Atlantis from 4th edition that he found at his house randomly, and it just has Happy Birthday written on it real big with the permanent black marker. Um, and then we recreated it uh, two Christmases ago. With a Baneslayer Angel. Back when Baneslayer was still 50 bucks, we wrote Merry Christmas real big on a Baneslayer Angel in permanent black marker uh, for Tim for Christmas <laughs> and, and gave it to him. And he, was, he put it straight in his deck. <laughs> so awesome. Um, because he had been playing the, the Merfolk deck when it was standard legal mm-hmm. and he had the Happy Birthday. We just call it Happy Birthday. We don't even call it Lord of Atlantis with Happy Birthday. We just call it Happy Birthday. So he had Happy Birthday in his deck. And every time we play it, we'd be like, Happy Birthday! we get all excited. <laughs> right? And then eventually that deck rotated and he didn't play Extended really, so it kind of went away. Right? Right. Um, so now, you know, so we were like, man, we got to get Tim a card. We like, so we got to bring back Happy Birthday. So we put Merry Christmas on a Baneslayer Angel because he was playing Blue White Control at the time. Slapped into his deck and he was good to go. Um, <laughs> so, I when I decided to start playing Legacy, I wanted to play Team America, but right. then I decided to pick up Merfolk on the side mm-hmm. because I knew Tim still had the remnants of the extended deck, you know, or this when it was standard still. And uh, I traded for him, like traded uh, him for Happy Birthday, and he was like, "Yeah, I'll only trade it to you if you promise you put it in the deck, or if you don't, if you." He's like, "Don't you can't trade it." He's like, if uh, if you if you're gonna get rid of it, you gotta give it back to me. I was like, deal. So I was like, I'm gonna get it on a feature match. So that's now my goal, is to get Happy Birthday in a feature match at uh, the SCG Open in Baltimore. So <laughs> my new goal, um, and maybe I'll actually win one too. That would be exciting. Like maybe I'll actually <laughs> win a match ever. So I guess moving forward. What's the stuff that you're most interested in, like right now, like from the new set? Because I mean, you know, from like a commander standpoint, uh, from a cube standpoint, I think it's the first time I've ever said commander first without saying EDH and then correcting myself. Oh my god, you've been saying it enough times. You're actually working it into my head. Nice job. Yep. So, uh, as you all should know, uh, Adam Sporsky is a very uh, prominent member of the cube community. Uh, he has a blog that is thepoppercube.wordpress.com and you should look at it and uh, go to his cube template and steal it and use it if you want to make a popper cube because uh, I know that I would have no idea how to make one so if I ever make one I'm just going to steal Adam's uh, which is fine 
Because <laughs> sometimes you need someone to do the work for you, and he's willing to do the work. So amen, brother. Um, so, uh, <laughs> uh, so like, what stuff for, like is that got you the most excited, like, coming up here? I mean, like, uh, there are some obvious things for EDH that I can think of. Like, things off the top of my head that I like are uh, Cage Sun. Yep. I, I mean, I was I, I was just going to do a quick, like, uh, like, one, two, three, like, for Commander. Probably Cage Sun is the card I'm most excited about. Um, I really love what monocolor decks can do. Um, I mean, I get, um, I guess because I play Commander so much, um, I get really tired of seeing some of the same cards over and over because they're really good staple cards. You know, certain artifacts, certain multicolor cards, you know, certain color combinations you see regularly. So, um, it's nice to see a monocolor deck, um, cause you, you know, you're probably going to get a little bit of variety, even if it's just a goblin deck, like a goblin tribal deck running, you know, gauntlet of power, cage sun, you know, gauntlet of might, everything that gives power to red, I, I think is kind of a wacky different approach and it's a little refreshing, you know, um, I think sometimes it's really easy to keep the focus on what's the, you know, what's the most powerful thing I can do right now versus, you know, it'd be really awesome. This. Um, in terms of just the fun factor and the randomness, especially in like a bigger group game, uh, how do you feel about Soul Conduit? What? It's a six mana artifact, and it's six and tap. Uh, two target players exchange life totals. Oh yeah 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 yeah. Um, wow, that's gonna completely hose some people. I was thinking about using that in a uh, in like a poison deck, right? So you're like beating you down with poison, or like if because I didn't have a lot of poison in my pool, but I had a soul conduit. So I was like, well, what if I make like a poison, like half poison, half not poison deck, and then start getting in there with poison? And if poison doesn't work, and they start getting me to the brink of death to switch our life totals and then kill them with like the couple non-poison creatures I have. <laughs> it was like one of those like ridiculous, out of like nowhere, like like random stupid ideas that I had uh, that I thought was really funny but um in terms of commander uh something like um something like soul conduit could just be like a lot of fun for and maybe like a group hug deck it's like a win condition yeah I mean I, I don't know I mean like I mean I would kind of look at it as like a like it's not mind slayer obviously because mind slayer just does some you know really rude things maybe but like, if you if you like a mindslaver effect, but you don't want people to like punch you in the face because you just played mindslaver, try that because you know swapping life totals like the whole mirror universe type, you know, kaboom. You know, I, I think that that could be a lot more entertaining than I'm gonna take over your turn and find a way to sacrifice all of your permanents. Yeah, that's true. You know, you know what I really like mindslaver with like right or against right now in I, in standard. Are any of the creatures that have uh, a Phyrexian mana activation cost? <laughs> so you just go. So if you have, if they're playing like Hex Parasite or something like Molten Steel Dragon, and you go, all right, Mind Slaver, take your turn. Uh, pump your guy. <laughs> you die. It's the funniest thing ever. I, although uh, we realized that you couldn't uh, kill someone with it outright if they had an odd life total. If they have an even life total, you can pay the last two life. But if they have an odd life total, you can only get them to one, which is kind of unfortunate, uh, especially if they have near-death experience. But I guess that's another story. Um, but <laughs> I actually like the idea of putting your life total 
to an odd number, and then using one of those guys in combination with near-death experience. Yeah. So, so you like you play near-death experience, and then like end of turn, it's like you take your uh, whatever the unblockable guy is, mm-hmm. and you just make him unblockable like nine times, put yourself at one life at the end of your opponent's turn, and then they pass a turn and you win. Yep. I mean, the thing is, is now there's also um, pristine talisman or whatever. Uh, it's an artifact, and you tap and gain one life. When you, you tap and add a colorless mana, but you gain one life. Right. When you do that, so like you don't even need to like worry about getting to odd because you can just manipulate your life total with that. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Hmm. <laughs> seems like a really dumb deck. It seems like it could be really fun. Um. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> and it's got the wheels turning. You can combine it with Frexian Unlife to make sure your opponents don't abuse you. Yeah. <laughs> I think we just built a deck here on YoMTG Taps. Might be one of the worst standard decks ever made, but uh, it's uh, Johnny's Delight. Johnny's Delight. It's excellent. Um, it goes a hip, a hop. No, but anyway. Uh, sorry, I nailed that one, right? Uh <laughs> Uh, so anyway, uh, moving on from that terrible deck idea, uh, what other cards from EDH have you excited? Um, Commander. I'm kind of, I'm kind of excited and kind of apprehensive for the Praetors. Hmm. Um, they're, I mean, I, I think they they all have really cool abilities and they all feel really flavorful and they do really, um, you know, really interesting kind of things. Um, but I. You know, for for as much as I feel, you know, Urabrask and Elishnorn are probably, you know, pretty fair, and they feel, you know, I feel like they're they're something you can work around. I mean, if if all of your like, um, for example, I play a Reese, the Redeemed Token deck, and I had to fight a Masker Worm on more than one occasion this weekend, and Masker Worm pretty much annihilates me, so I'm not too keen on Elishnorn. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, I'm also playing a deck where just minus two, minus two to the board wipes it, wipes mine, so, you know, it's a trade-off, you know, I, I'm, I'm intentionally aware of that, you know, and I don't make, act, you know, I don't actively try to fight that right. all the time, I'm like, I'm okay, you know, taking a wrath, because that's that's part of the game, you know, like, I just want to make tokens, if I kill you with them, that's the bonus, I guess. I'm, I'm the same way with my uh, Battle for the Defiled EDH deck, it's like, I mean, if you got the graveyard hate, I guess you're going to stop me, but uh, if you don't, you certainly will not, you know, yeah. it's kind of, uh, what it comes down to for me. It's like, are you going to shut off my graveyard? If you do, well, good for you. You know, begin the game with a, uh, <laughs> begin the game with a ley line of the void in play, and you're just going to be playing against a crappy tribal deck. <laughs> you know, but, uh, <laughs> and that's fine. Uh, probably gets a little better with Cage Sun. Uh, Ding. I'm looking forward to putting in there. I got to find a foil. Uh, you and me both. Yeah. <laughs> It, you know, but as much as like that, that's a, that can be entertaining or sensible. You know, I, I'm really, I'm, I'm really not, ex, not as excited about um, Jin Cataxius. I mean, like, you know, if any color needed, you know, another flash effect that hoses you at the end of the turn that you have very little recourse to respond to, clearly blue is that color. Um, yeah, I, I guess I should probably you know turn the sarcasm off, but um, you know the fact that he has flash is what just really you know what really annoys me. 
you know, it's like, it, it isn't that, you know, you can make people discard cards or, you know, it's just, it's the one guy who, you know, and there's absolutely, there's virtually no reason to ever play Jin any other time other than somebody's end of turn. And that pantsing them of just, they don't even get a main phase to deal with it? Come on. That's, I don't know. That, I have, I have that's to, just rude. I almost disagree, though. I think the best time for you to play a Jin Gataxius is um, after you connect with a, uh, Sword of Feast or Famine, uh, and you have five lands out. Because then you can go tap five with the trigger on the stack, untap, tap five, play him at the end of combat. It almost sounds like you're talking about a completely different format. Still. <laughs> Still, I am talking about a different format, but it seems like the best possible time to play Jin Cataxius ever frankly, is on turn five. <laughs> right? I'm yeah. Just saying. Just saying it's probably the best time to play him <laughs> is on turn five. But you're right. Like, in in a format where you can get to ten mana, you know, fairly legitimately, end a turn on your opponent's turn before they have to discard seems to be the best place. <laughs> yeah. Um, kind of hateful. Yeah, people are talking about that card in Legacy as a reanimator target. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, again, caveat, you know, I'm not a Legacy expert and I don't uh, propose myself to be, but I, I feel like there are better things to reanimate, like Iona and, and other things that have a faster clock. Um, and generally, you know, in, in reanimator, if you're if you're not killing them in one turn, you know, I mean, how fast how fast is reanimator's clock usually? I have no idea. That's what I mean. It's like I, I feel like reanimator's clock is faster than what Jin Cataxius. Would be right, yeah, possibly. Uh, I mean, people are just talking about it as a potential target. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. people like to entertain those ideas when new cards come out, especially big splashy ones like that. You know, no, and I love those kind of thought experiments. You know, that that what if you know can lead to a, let's see, and that can lead to a holy crap, this is awesome. <laughs> you, know? you know, it's 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 you know just because the fact that most of the time, you know, or almost all the time that happens, it leads to a, okay, well that didn't work like we had hoped. You know, but the one time that it does work, you know, you're gonna remember. You know, and, and that's you know, that's a different kind of fun. But you know, I, I can appreciate the that that type that kind of thought. Yeah, for sure. Um, so what other stuff? Um, that was pretty much it for uh, for commander. I mean, you know, there's a new sword. You know, so you've got a new sword that has you know protection from red and white, and that's great. You know, pro swords are big in commander. I I try to get enough for my deck so I can kind of piece together and have a little rainbow cloak of power that I can suit up my guys with. You know, like kind of like Voltron or Transformers or something else. Let's all just pile them together and you got some guy who's holding four swords. You know, don't ask questions. He's got four. Are you really going to argue? Oh, doesn't, um, isn't that, uh, what's his face's favorite, uh, one of his favorite generals? Um, uh, Ken Nagel? Doesn't he have, like, a Godo? Is it Godo? Isn't that the guy that searches up equipment? Yeah, yeah, Godo's the guy. I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure uh, he has he has a deck like that. I think it's Ken Nagel's deck. I think I saw, like, a... There was a picture of, like, the guy with, like, a bunch of different equipment on it or something. I don't remember. I also... I think there was another one where he had, like, everyone's... Uh, I want to know what damn deck that was, but he had, like, everyone's soul rings on his side of the battlefield. It might have actually been... Um, Oh crap! The Merfolk, the Steel's artifacts. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Thada Adele. Thada Adele, yes. Yeah. And he had like a Thada Adele deck, and he just had everyone's soul rings on, on the battlefield under his control, which I just think is hilarious. He's it's, a nice, it's a nice thing to steal. Yeah. <laughs> I drink your milkshake. No, but, um, yeah, so, and then for Cube, obviously, you've... You have a huge you have a huge list of foils that you're trying to pick up. I know a lot of those are for are for the Pauper Cube, right? Yeah, I mean that's that's my cube. That's what I build. Um, I mean, probably the probably the most exciting card, not the most exciting card, but one of the most interesting cards to come out uh, in the set is um, Porcelain Legionnaire. Um, the the three one first striker. Yeah, and, and so just so brutal. Yeah, in in yeah, I got to play with him yesterday, and when he was hot, he was hot. It was great, just to, like. You know, have like infect players kind of like slump in their seat a little bit, you know, until they realized if they just drew a fume spitter, he dies. You know, like fume spitter and pit thriller. I realized seems, that a couple times. Yeah, uh, it seems like today. seems like a great way to to have that have that dealt with. But um, the you know in in my pomper cube, you know, three power for three mana is pretty efficient. You know, I mean, there there aren't any really too many busted creatures at common. So three three power, three mana is fine. And then you throw a first strike on top of it and it's just mm-hmm. gravy. Yeah. It's just really good. It's hard to block. Um, really good on the defense, really good on the offense. Whether it's, you know, aggressive deck and you cast them on turn two, um, which I talk about in uh you know on my on my blog. Um, I have a whole article about that and kind of what the um, what the odds are with that and what that means. But just all around just a very solid creature. Now does a quarter paladin's an uncommon, isn't it? I believe so. Yeah. So and Blade of the Six Pride is a common though, and I'm almost sure that you probably have that in there, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I was not um, Blade of the Six Pride was in a lot of common on common cubes. Yeah. And a quarter pound obviously was an auto upgrade there, but I was not able to share the merriment. Right. Right. But so, but you still have the blade. Um, yep. Now, does this guy replace him, or does he complement him? He compliments. Yeah. Um, you know, Blade of the Six Pride being that it doesn't have first strike definitely goes in like an aggressive deck. But um, the fact that Legionnaire has first strike can put him, and he can be paid without, you know, without um, colorless mana. With colorless mana, the fact that he ha- that it's Phyrexian mana means that somebody like, um, you know, like the architect that probably benefits the most from Phyrexian mana in my cube is red black aggro, just because when you're when you're throwing all the resources at the opponent and just overwhelming them with, you know, the the best cards, burn spells, you know, clearing blockers out. You only need to hit once or twice, and I mean, you hit once with Porcelain Legionnaire, and the life totals are in your favor. You know, you start hitting again after that, and it's, you know, it just goes downhill for your opponent from there. So, I mean, I think, um, you know, I think he's, I think he's much more flexible and interesting, um, just at the pauper level. You know, when you start to look at, you know, cube, you know, constructed applications, even, um, you know, like, you know, hey, he's an artifact too, so. Tempered Steel seems like a good pairing, um, but he's mm-hmm. white, so you can do, um, you know, if you have some sort of Tempered Steel, pure. Mono White, Honor the Pure, it doesn't matter which pump spell you draw, your first striker that came down on turn two just got better. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's, it's fun. I like it. I gotta be with it. <laughs> <laughs> got me thinking about going back to Mono White now. I haven't picked up Tempered Steels here and there, because uh, you never know. I think they're lower than they'll be. You know what I mean? Like, in the long run. I really want to put together, like, four of those with four Tide Hollow Skullers with, um, four of the, the, um, Homunculus from... Oh, yeah. Court Homunculus. Court Homunculus. And just, like, wow, I've just got artifacts everywhere. And they're <laughs> all creatures. And they're all white. <laughs> like... <laughs> That's awesome, yeah. I don't know. Hmm. 
I mean, some of the other cards, like, um, you know, like Pit Thriller, you know, it's... Oh, uh, yeah, I didn't even see that card until you played it against me, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, really? He's yeah. a, was it 4-2, right, for 4, and then when he drops down, a creature gets minus 1, well, minus it's, 1? It's, it's a 4-2 for 5, but you can pay for Xeon Mana if you That's need to. That's right. Um, and um, comes into play, you put a minus 1, minus 1 counter on something. So it's a, it's a little twist on um, Cult Brand Cinder, which is the red-black hybrid at 5, and it was a 3-3, three, three, and it does the same thing, comes into play, puts a minus 1, minus 1 counter hmm. on something. Like so. Shadow Moor or something like that? Yeah, and so, like, again, you know, that... That pit thriller type effect is um, is really good at, at weakening defenses and t- clearing out like porcelain legionnaire and all the little one toughness flyers you know, um, know. that are around. <laughs> I built I built a seal pool today. I didn't actually play in the main event, but I built a seal pool today and uh, just sat around getting smashed by Adam on occasion when I had free time. Uh, it was a good time though. Uh, learned some things. I there. had the most ridiculous. It wasn't a ridiculous deck. Like I had like eight two drops. Seven three drops, a four drop, two five drops, and shieldred. Shieldred. Oh my god, I saw that too. It was, and my four drop was skin render. My five drops were um, pith pith driller and something else. I don't even remember. It was it was it was just a really really aggressive deck. I think I felt really good that last game too. I was like, oh, I feel like I'm coming back in here. I think I feel like I'm fighting back here, and I'm and I'm stone facing with like three answers in my hand, and I'm like, I'm sorry, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> like. Behind the Nephrexia curtain, it's all downhill. <laughs> yeah. Oh well. I mean, I've heard. St- yeah, I mean, I you know, I, I feel very fortunate. You know, I um, you know, I, I'd love to be able to attribute you know, uh, playing, not not losing games to you know my my clearly um you know magnificent skill, but you know, I probably just played okay and I had good pulls. You know, I had a very aggressive deck and it was you know you had to stabilize or you lost, and then I had Shieldred, which is really great for breaking stalemates when I'm making you sacrifice creatures and I'm rebuying all of my oh, really aggressive ones. God, you were just like... Because I was like... Like Fume Spitter, yeah. Fume Spitter or uh, Moriok Replica, and Volshock Replica. Oh my like, God. It didn't matter. I could shot, I could burn, I could bolt your face, draw cards, or or kill your dudes. All for, like, cheap. So insane. <laughs> yeah, it's so insane. Like... So I was just like, oh man, yeah, well, he's pretty big, but I could probably battle back from this. And you were like... I'm just gonna bring a fume spitter every turn and take all your dudes. It's like, oh yeah, and picked up my cards. It's like, yep. I mean, to put it in context, I fought you know Batterskull and Nim uh, uh, Nim Deathmantle together, and I won. I fought Shieldred and lost, and I fought as hard as I could. Like I did the same tricks, you know, re, you know, recirculated precursor golem. I just could not keep up with the uh, the sacrifice and incoming damage. You know, it's um, if you don't have something that you know, I, like I played Shieldred against a guy and he, and he dispatched it. It's great, Metalcraft, just kaboom, gone, you know. Wow. Really, 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 you know, kind of blew me back. But, um, yeah, it was EOT, too. Like, you didn't even have to draw it. It was like, oh, at the end of your turn, dispatch. Like, wow, all right. <laughs> let, me, uh, let me rethink this. But, um, it's funny. You know, it's, 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 uh, it's one of those must-answer bombs, and I think it's one of the, uh, definitely one of the very few ones. How do you feel about uh, Jorkadine? I think there's a lot of potential there as a general with uh, Jorkadine. Is that the name of the card, right? The red white. Yeah, I think there's a lot of potential. Yeah, the prevailer. Yeah, I mean he's the he's the battle cry, lord. You know, kind he's of beyond battle cry. Yeah, it's you know like if you wanted to say, well, I've got all of these battle cry effects and I want them all in one deck. He's the guy that lets you make the the commander battle cry deck. It's true. You know, like red white tokens. Like that seems like a super fun strategy to put together. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's um, yeah. You know, it's it's 
similar to Argus Coast, you know, Wojcik veteran. Um, mm. Yeah, so I mean, if, if you're if you've been playing with with Coast and you want to change it up, he's probably a good place to start. Yeah, looks fun. Uh, I, I definitely like him. I I wonder how viable he would be as like a like in some sort of like red white like metalcraft, even in standard, like red white metalcraft with him as like a like a finisher. You know, like drop him and just kill. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I mean, that's just me being super open-minded in standard, which I know is the wrong play. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not one to ask about that. For sure. Right? No, no, I'm not. I'm not asking for your uh, insightful opinion into the uh, post uh, New Phyrexia standard metagame. But uh, I believe there will be Jaces. I believe there will be Stoneforge Mystics if they don't ban them. And if they don't ban them, I think it'll be a mistake. Uh, frankly, being dead honest, like we have this thing that we say a lot on the show over and over and over and over again and it's stop bitching start brewing right and that's yep. you know the the whole thing with that is kind of like you know when you feel like oh i can't you know i can't deal with jace or i can't afford jaces and you know you hear a lot of this stuff on the internet all the time yep you know mm-hmm. um and i can understand the sentiment to a degree but like our our, our big thing is that you can always find an answer to something you know if you hate losing to turn one uh empty the warrens for 14 goblins you know in legacy sideboard four mind break traps you know what i mean don't put yourself in that situation you know i've 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 heard a lot of people online on twitter especially um kind of calling our mantra into question um, stop pitching, start brewing. People are calling that into question because they're like, well, there is no, there is no brewing to do against, against this or whatever. And, and to a degree, I disagree with some of the statements that were made, but I really do feel like something needs to be done to standard. Like, I feel like this set's going to come out and I think it's going to be like when world wake came out. Where, like, you've got Jace, and you're like, ooh, Jace, you know, and you've got a bunch of other interesting spells, and you're like, ooh, interesting spells. But then, like, people are going to be playing, like, the same 75 Jund. You know what I mean? Like, people last year were just like, cool, Jace, yeah, I'll, I'll play with him in, like, seven or eight months when I'm done beating you all with Jund, you know? Mm-hmm. And I feel like, especially with New Phyrexia coming out, everyone's like, look at all these awesome answers to Jace, look at all these awesome answers to Jace. Everyone's missing the point. Of course there are a lot of awesome answers to Jace. It's, and I've been saying this the whole time, and I don't care if anyone disagrees with me. It's called turning creatures sideways. You, you attack Jace, and you deal with them, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and they have printed a lot of good answers to Planeswalkers, and I commend them for that, because they did need answers to Planeswalkers in general. But I feel like the major problem right now with Standard going forward, starting with New Phyrexia, is going to be Stoneforge Mystic. I think that Stoneforge Mystic is... I mean, I feel like with the two swords, it was a problem. Um, people weren't noticing it as the problem because people were too focused on Jace. Mm-hmm. These decks are going to have access to Sword of War and Peace and Batter Skull starting next week. And Sword of War and Peace adds to the three swords and basically gives whatever creature they want to put out protection from whatever colors any deck they're playing against is. Mm-hmm. Um... It's going to necessarily... It's going to basically wipe out monocolor decks entirely. Monocolor decks are going to be obsolete. If the cards combined with Mirren Crusader, 
I keep talking about this. I don't know. I don't know if this is if anyone else is thinking this, but it's like turn two Stoneforge Mystic, search up Sword of War and Peace. Turn three Mirren Crusader. Turn four, violin the sword with the with the Stoneforge. Equip it. Swing. If your opponent has six cards in hand, your Mirren Crusader has protection from every color but blue, and it deals twenty damage. Like, or being able to search up a 4-4 Vigilance Lifelink and then bouncing it in response to removal. <laughs> like, I have no problem with these cards on their own. But I feel like having a tutor to search them up at will and, and just do whatever it is and then play the Batter Skull for two mana the following turn, on yeah. turn three, it just feels like it just needs to be banned. <laughs> I'm sorry, like, they have a history of banning tutors first. You know, they'll ban a tutor before they'll ban anything else in most formats. We look at survival, we look at mystical tutor as the two last bannings in, leg- in Legacy. Mm-hmm. You know, and you think about you have a tutor that, in terms of power level, is almost on par with those two in standard. You know, in terms of just the immediate effect on the board and um, just the immediate damage that it's going to do. And I hate to, like, sound like one of the peanut gallery going off about standard sucks and it needs to change but uh, standard, standard sucks, sucks and it needs, needs to change. change is that what you're saying? yeah that's exactly yeah. what I'm saying and like I really have no interest in playing standard um, right now while uh, while Stoneforge Mystic isn't banned frankly um, it hurt. It helps a lot that I have legacy to turn to at this time, you know? It helps a whole lot that I can just be like, well, I love Legacy anyway, and that's what I feel like playing. So that's what I'm going to play. At least until October. Everyone's argument is, oh, well, if they ban Stoneforge Mystic, then the then the, the Valakut decks are going to be the best deck. Or, or if they ban Jace, the Valakut decks would be the best deck. No, it won't. Because <laughs> I think then you would actually have room for the format to grow. And yeah, uh, that's a good deck, sure. Um, is a very powerful deck. Do you have anything you want to add? You know, I don't, I don't know. I, I definitely am not in a position to, to say whether standard's good or not. Sure. You know, I, I think that, you know, I think that, um, hopeful optimism and, um, a whole lot of, uh, a whole lot of thinking, uh, over the past week or so, um, will help make, uh, will help make standard look a little different down in Orlando. It's really, really easy to go... This deck's good. Let me make a couple changes. You know, it's it's a very different um, it's a very different ball game to take a whole pool of cards and go, all right, what can what can be done? Right. You know, it's a lot of information to go through. I mean, I don't know all the new cards. You know, and I've been looking at them. Uh, you know, since the you know the card image gallery went up, you know, on the wizard site. So, you know, it's you know it's a tricky thing. I mean, to say you know nothing's going to change or that this one interaction that you see right now is clearly the the only good interaction, I think, does a disservice to the idea of what are the answers to that? You know, I mean, at what point do do red decks that run Oxidus Scrap Melter and uh, Manic Vandal in the main just become the norm? You know, when you just blow up every artifact, you know, it's really easy just to turn to something that's known um, rather than taking a really hard long look at, at what you don't know and diving in there. You know, and I think that, that somewhere in between is probably the correct answer. You know, let's let's look at the things that we don't know and see how that fits into what we do. Well, thank God we still have people like Conley Woods around because, yep. <laughs> you know, because somebody needs to be pushing the envelope. You know, and like I, mean, I can understand why people do 
the things they do or fall into the patterns that they do. But um, it's not very exciting to watch. <laughs> and it's my job to, to, to comment on exciting matches of magic, and I want to be able to do that uh, this weekend in Orlando. Well, I mean, I mean, there's two things. Like, you know, like I, I definitely have habits when it comes to deck building and gaming, and, and I really struggled to try to bring a different view or a different approach or, you know, um, share, different, share different ideas, because if it was just all my ideas, I'd be the only one that likes them. You know, I mean, you know, nobody, nobody has every idea, um, for everyone at all times. So, you know, I, I think that, that when you're looking, you know, if you want to talk about standard environment, you know, like last week, you know, and there's a lot of mirror matches going on, a lot of results from national qualifiers confirming that a handful of decks are definitely the very best, um, you know, that the, the excitement doesn't then come from just, you know, what's new. It, it also can come from, you know, of what's known, who's doing what differently, you know, and, and that you can examine what's going on a little deeper, you know, but that's a very, you know, it's, it's, it's pushing that to an extreme, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily, you know, I, I don't necessarily agree that the only thing that's exciting out there is new. I think that, that understanding something more can be just as exciting. It's just a different type of excitement. Sure. I, I definitely appreciate that. I mean, that's, you know, something I've like kind of lost my way in learning to you know, knowing to appreciate, but, uh, hopefully that'll change. We'll see. Um, I'm definitely, uh, getting tired. I definitely want to crawl off my soapbox right now and, uh, crawl You've into been my, a while. and crawl into my bed. Uh, <laughs> but it's been fun hanging out. Um, all weekend, really. We've yep. hung out all freaking weekend. It's been a blast. Um, so, just real quick, uh, upcoming events. The only one I can think of off the top of my head is uh, this weekend in Orlando, because it's what I'm going to be at. Uh, so, uh, if you're in uh, Orlando, come by and see us. We'll be in the booth all weekend, me and Joey. Uh, not Adam, although that would be fun. Uh, <laughs> you you got to get up in the booth at some point. If you ever put a four-player commander game up on, uh, up on SCG Live... I think I could probably do a little comedy. Well, you know what? Gigi's live uh, broadcast this weekend, right? Rashad gunslinging at his, uh, I think at his regional pre-release or something. Oh, that's he nuts. He broadcasted him gunslinging all weekend, or all day, on Saturday. If I, ah, oh, that makes a lot of sense now. Because I could have I actually been streaming that on Saturday. So anyway, uh, come by and see us, and we have life pads um, with the lovely OMTG Taps logo on them. Uh, that we will give you if you come by and see us personally. <laughs> We're out of tokens. We have no more tokens. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, you can tell I'm getting delirious at this point. So now would probably be a good time for us to sign off. Uh, so uh, <laughs> for for all of us here at YoMTG Taps, by all of us I mean me and Joey, but uh, me me and Adam are here today. Uh, <laughs> it's a really awkward ending. <laughs> That's all the time we have for this week. We are YoMTG Taps. Stop bitching, start brewing. <laughs> <laughs>